Although LSU got a win at Auburn, which is important, it wasn't a very pretty win. And I think that you would probably agree with that. I think that this LSU-Auburn game revealed a lot of things that LSU does need to work on. So how exactly do they plan on doing that? Brian Kelly spoke with the media on Monday afternoon and highlighted what I thought were the three biggest problems with the LSU at Auburn and how they plan to clean that up as they prepare to host Tennessee on Saturday. All of that and so much more on today's edition of Locked on LSU. You are Locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, today's episode of Locked On LSU is sponsored by Simply Safe Home Security with Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe. 24-7 monitoring agents capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. Well, my name is Caroline Fenton and I'm your host as I am every day. I'm an LSU grad. I've been covering the team since 2016 and I now host a sports talk radio show in Nashville, Tennessee for 1025 The Game. But Brian Kelly spoke with the media on Monday afternoon, as he does every Monday, both looking ahead to their opponent in the upcoming Saturday. You know, this week, of course, we are, uh, LSU was hosting Tennessee, um, but also to look back on what were some things, good and bad, that fans can look to build upon from the from the previous week. And I thought that Brian Kelly highlighted three things that I thought were really shooting LSU in the foot and what gave LSU so much more of a difficult time against Auburn than it really needed to be. On Monday show, I always highlight, every Monday, I highlight three things that I like and the three things that I didn't. I included two of those things, one being the pass defense and two being the passing game. Now, the third thing that Brian Kelly mentioned or highlighted today or asked about today that I didn't put in the three things that I didn't like, but I did put in the three things that I did like the thing that one of the things that I did like was the resilience in the comeback. But in order to have resilience and in order to have a comeback, you need to be down bad. And that's exactly what LSU was in the first half against Auburn. So that was the third thing that Brian Kelly highlighted as being an issue or was asked about being an issue was starting fast, which it absolutely was. And Brian Kelly so many times has talked about starting fast coming out of the gates. And what we've seen from LSU's you know, better opponents, Florida State, Mississippi State, and Auburn, is that they haven't started fast. In the second half, they have to dig themselves out of the hole that they dug themselves in in the first. So let's look at it one by one. What were the things that Brian Kelly was asked about or highlighted that was a problem or needs to be fixed after that Auburn game going into a much more difficult opponent in Tennessee and how they plan to fix it. First and foremost, it was the passing game. I mean, Jaden Daniels, I highlighted it on Monday's episode. Jaden Daniels only competed, completed eight passes for 80 yards. That's a problem. You're not going to beat Tennessee or Alabama or Texas A&M or Arkansas by only throwing for 80 yards. You need to have more of a balanced offense. So how exactly does Brian Kelly plan to fix that with Jaden Daniels? How does he acknowledge that? And what is the plan moving forward in the passing game? Brian, sort of building off the passing game, I guess, discussion, there hasn't been much of a downfield vertical threat, I guess, this year. 
Is there a solution that you have in mind for that, or are you going to kind of have to live with like the quick passing game and just trying to make that more effective than it was against Auburn? We've had. I mean, if I could give you a, a video clip of all the, you know, the the throws downfield. We've had a number of deep ball throws. They weren't this week. Uh, last week uh, against New Mexico, that was uh, a cover eight. That was short passing game, catch it, run after the catch, threw for over 300 yards. Uh, this past weekend was not good enough. Um, that's not going to get you a sustainable um, uh, offense uh, that can win games at the highest level uh, in the SEC. Uh, but that's coaching uh, and that's playing. 85 yards is not going to get it done, but it's a new week. And uh, the one thing that doesn't carry over very well uh, in college football uh, is the last week. Um, so we expect to, to be much better. And he's right. You know, 85 yards isn't good enough. Of course, that was 80 from Jaden Daniels. And then the five that Garrett Nussmeyer added on in the second half. But 85 yards total from two of your quarterbacks is not going to be good enough. And sure, it wasn't the difference in the game against Auburn, but it very well could be the difference of the game against Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama, so on and so forth, the rest of LSU's schedule. So I think Brian Kelly highlighted what the plan is moving forward. It's not just about Jaden Daniels, and it's not just about these pass catchers. It's both. The, the throws need to be better. And these wide receivers or these pass catchers need to catch passes that are easily catchable. I saw several passes on Saturday night that were just went through the hands of the receiver. Kayshawn Booty, for example, dropped a ball that was right to him, an easy ball to catch. But that falls on the receivers and that falls on Jaden Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer, whichever quarterback is in. The throws need to be better and the effort to catch the ball needs to be better. And like Brian Kelly mentioned, the coaching needs to be better. They need to be coached to be able to, you know, go that extra inch, that extra yard and fight for those balls. That Jaden Daniels needs to be more comfortable, not having the most perfect look, but needs to be more comfortable throwing balls in tighter coverage, throwing balls in tighter windows, taking a few more risks. That's what, what Brian Kelly highlighted in his press conference yesterday was that Jaden Daniels takes needs to take a little bit more risks. That he's used the word conservative, that this offense where it has been so far is too conservative. And of course, that's a good thing because you're not turning the ball over. But also, sometimes you need to take those risks in order to make those big plays. And sometimes that comes back to bite you in the butt. Sometimes that that turns into a turnover and then your opponent turns that into six or three or seven points, whatever it might be. But sometimes in order to get things moving offensively, which LSU had an issue with, had some trouble doing against Auburn, you're just going to have to take those risks. So Brian Kelly mentioned it. It's you need to be better throwing the ball, need to be better catching the ball, and the coaches need to do better about coaching in the passing game. So that was one of the problems on, on Saturday was the passing game. The second was busted coverages and missed tackles in the secondary. The first half defense and I highlighted the good things that the defense did. I did that on yesterday's show. The good thing, the turnovers, the forced turnovers, capitalizing off of turnovers, um, the pressure that they were able to, to put on Robbie Ashford in the second half. But the first half defense, specifically in the secondary, had some big-time problems on Saturday. I mean, there were way too many uh, Auburn receivers that had no men on them, way too many Auburn receivers that had an open lane, 10, 15, 20 yards downfield with no LSU defender in sight. 
And that's a problem. So what does Brian Kelly plan to do to fix some of those busted coverages moving forward? Because they can't afford to bust those coverages against a Tennessee offense um, that's so high-powered and so quick like they're going to face this weekend. So what's the plan moving forward? We've addressed the issues, um, the, their communication issues. And and then really, quite frankly, um, you know, making sure that our guys know the rules associated with, with coverages and, and, and do your job. You know, don't try to do somebody else's job. Um, you know, we've been in flux a little bit back there. Um, so making sure that there's great communication, guys doing their job, not trying to do something that's not part of our system and rules, uh, and just over-communicate it now. Just make sure that it's been communicated effectively um, and do a good job teaching it, you know, and, and, and redoubling our efforts to make sure that that point is getting across to, to those guys that are in, in that situation. So a few things mentioned there in terms of the busted coverages and the poor first half defense. One was the communication. That falls on the leader of the defense, the red dot, and that also falls on the coaching staff, that they need to have more open and clear communication with these players. And also he mentioned some of the penalties sustained on LSU's defense. The communication, that falls on the coaching staff, that that needs to be cleared up and their roles need to be more clearly identified. Like Brian Kelly said, do your job. Don't try and play hero ball. Don't try and do more than what's expected of you. This is your man. This is your zone. This is your job. Do your job. Try not to, don't do more than that because if you don't, if you do more than what you're asked to do, then who does your job? So that's, that's one big thing here is that I think these, the roles and the rules need to be more clearly communicated to this LSU defense because it's a talented defense. We've seen that. They can be a really, really good and clean defense, but there are just, you know, little things that need to be cleared up here and there. And the third thing that I noticed um, that was an issue for LSU on Saturday was starting fast. It was something that Brian Kelly mentioned after the Florida State game after week one, and it's something that he's reiterated so many times since, is that LSU is going to find their most success if they come out the gates hot. If they come out with a very clear game plan and everybody knows their role in starting fast and not coming back in the second half and trying to undo what you did in the first half, some of those mistakes or, um, you know, down getting down on the scoreboard. So the third thing that LSU didn't do against Auburn that they're going to have to do as the schedule gets more difficult is start fast. So what's the plan? Look, there's a difference between being um, on the edge aggressively and, and um, being reckless. Um, we're we're way too conservative right now, and and so uh, I don't want to throw interceptions. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to turn the ball over. We haven't thrown any, um, and that's not necessarily um, a bad thing in one respect. But if you're looking to be aggressive, you're going to throw an interception or two because somebody made a great play uh, because you you trust that you're going to throw it in there. Um, and, and we got to get Jaden to be a little bit more on that edge um, and be a little bit more aggressive. And we will. We'll get there with him um, because that's the nature of this position. This position has to be with the skilled players that we have. We've got f- to get that ball down the field, and we've got to get it into some tight windows sometimes. Uh, they're not always going to be wide open, but those guys can make plays, and we've got to get them the ball. And that's kind of the difficult dichotomy, right? Is you want to come out 
strong. You want to come out playing aggressive. But sometimes there are repercussions from that. That's what I mentioned earlier about Brian Kelly being aggressive, but understanding that that might lead to turnovers. Taking risks might, you know, there's a reason why it's high risk, high reward is that you will, it could pay off, but also it could result in a turnover. And that's something that this team is going to have to weigh is, is are we willing to take those risks and are we willing to turn the ball over? And what Brian Kelly is saying right there is that, look, we're going to have to be more aggressive if we want to be successful coming down the stretch with the rest of our schedule. So if that means accepting the turnovers and the interceptions as they come, that's okay. But Jaden Daniels just needs to stop playing scared. Jaden Daniels needs to start making more risky throws because this is a really great pass catching group. And I know, understand that they had, their fair share of drops and their fair share of problems on their own. The pass catching group did against Auburn on Saturday, but these are, this is a group of really talented wide receivers. And if you give them a risky throw, I mean, I would take this pass catching group over any other corner group, most likely in the SEC. Maybe that's a stretch, but I mean, if you give me LSU's wide receivers over Tennessee's DBs, I'm taking LSU's wide receivers all day, every day. So set up those receivers to be able to take advantage of their talent and to be able to move the ball down the field, even if that means making a risky throw, even if that means making a kind of a risky play. That's what this LSU offense needs to do is kind of break out of its shell a little bit more and go beyond just the short pass catching situations to the tight ends or to the running backs and really throw the ball downfield and be able to, to spread the ball out. Um, so yeah, those are the three things that Brian Kelly mentioned that I kind of mentioned things that I didn't like from the Auburn game, Brian Kelly highlighting how they're going to, to address that moving forward. But coming up next, my game balls, offense, defense, and special teams. Who set out against Auburn on Saturday night? We'll get into that coming up next. Well, I think we can all agree that feeling unsafe in your own home is just the worst feeling. You want to feel comfortable about yourself and your loved ones and know that when you're at home, you are safe. So that's why in the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe's home security to protect their homes. But you don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. And that's exactly what they do at Simply Safe. They do it right. They want to make sure that you and your family are protected and that you and your family are safe. I know it because my parents use Simply Safe in their own home. I have friends of mine that use Simply Safe in their own homes, and they feel protected, and I feel protected knowing that Simply Safe is looking out for them. 24 7 professional monitoring agents. They always have your back. Here's why I love it for my friends and family and why my friends and family love it for themselves. So I feel so much safer knowing that my parents are protected by Simply Safe in their home. Whether that's a break-in or whether that's, you know, any sort of sketchy activity happening outside their house, they'll get notified even on their phones. And Simply Safe has 24-7 professional monitoring that will make sure that their home is protected and they are protected in it. So with the 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents will call you the moment a threat is detected. They'll dispatch police or first responders in an emergency. So they will take care of that for you and make sure that your home is safe. Plus, it's not just the front door or it's not just one place where a camera is placed. It'll protect all of the rooms. There's advanced sensors for every room, every window, and every door, plus HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. So make sure that every inch of your home is protected with Simply Safe. 
so you can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube as well. So just search Locked On LSU in the search bar. Hit that subscribe button and you won't miss a single second of your Locked On LSU content. Now, first and foremost, the game balls on offense. Josh Williams gets my my game ball offensively. The run game as a whole, they carried this LSU offense. Josh Williams led all uh, all running backs and Jaden Daniels. He had 17 carries on 68 yards. Jaden Daniels 16 for 59 on the day. And then, of course, John Emery Jr. and Noah Kane. They both moved the ball pretty well. The reason why it goes to Josh Williams is not only because he rushed for more yards than any other LSU Tiger on the field on Saturday, but also because he took care of the football. Of course, we know that John Emery Jr. fumbled later on in the game. And Brian Kelly addressed that. Um, well, here, I'll just play it for you now. This is what Brian Kelly had to say about the John Emery Jr. fumble. Yeah, Brian, can you talk about uh, John Emery's game? And, and was the fumble necessarily his fault? It seemed like the backside defender came in untouched. Well, we had one side of the line going left and the other side of the line going right. That's not a good thing. Um, and, and so what actually ended up happening on the play was the backside uh, lineman was pulling. Uh, and uh, it, he was not supposed to be pulling. And John didn't expect it and, and got run into, and the ball came loose. Unexcusable. I mean, you still have to have great ball security in that situation. But um, it was a miscommunication, an understanding of what the play was. Somebody thought it was right and it was going left, and we had just a, a circus going on up front, and it created that um, uh, collision in the backfield, which was unexpected, and, and jarred the ball loose. So I, I, I always feel like there's, a, there's different stories to every turnover. Sometimes it was just, you know, if it's an interception, sometimes it's just a bad read and a bad decision by a quarterback. But sometimes it's a miscommunication between the quarterback and the wide receiver. The wide receiver runs the wrong route or maybe goes the wrong way. And that's not really on the quarterback as much as it's on the wide receiver. I think it's the same thing with fumbles as well is sometimes it's just bad reads all the way around. Sometimes it's bad blocking from the offensive line. Sometimes there are more players culpable than just the person who committed the fumble or the turnover. Sometimes it is just their fault. Sometimes the ball just comes out for no reason. And that is on them. But I think Brian Kelly mentioned there that yes while John Emery is culpable because John Emery had the ball in his hands and he dropped the ball there are other players involved too so John Emery doesn't get my get my offensive game ball although 
he was able to move the ball well. He doesn't get my game ball because of the fumble, but at least there's a little bit more context there that it's not just John Emery thing. It's an overall LSU offense thing. But we haven't seen a ton from Josh Williams so far this season. It was great to see a whole lot from him uh, um, against Auburn. It was great to see kind of that next man up mentality of Armani Goodwin is out. We'll push Josh Williams up. And I thought he really took advantage of the opportunity and a good bit of the LSU offense was placed on Josh Williams on Saturday night. So he gets my offensive game ball. Defensively, this one was tough because there were a whole lot of players on Saturday night that I thought played their butts off defensively. But I'm going to give out two game balls defensively and then one honorable mention, which is so against the rules and not allowed to do that really in real life, in real football life. But this is not real football life. This is my podcast. So I get to do what I want. So um, defensive game balls, Greg Brooks gets the, gets my first defensive game ball. He got the game ball from Brian Kelly. Of course, Greg Brooks came up clutch with that late interception in the fourth quarter to really end the game, sealed the deal for LSU. Of course, Auburn was driving into LSU territory. Greg Brooks was able um, to snag that interception. LSU wins. So Greg Brooks gets my defensive game ball. BJ Ojolari gets my second defensive game ball. I mean, BJ Ojolari continues to be such a force for this football team. He on the night had four tackles, all of them solo, two tackles on the night, excuse me, two sacks on the night, rather, two sacks on the night and two tackles for loss. B.J. Ojolari was all over Robbie Ashford. And also, B.J. Ojolari is the one that forced that fumble. Um, it was a, a strip sack. And then Jay Ward, who gets my honorable mention for a defensive game ball because he was the one that was able um, to pick up that fumble and return it to the, to the end zone to score. So B.J. Ojolari gets the gets the. Second defensive game ball, and of course, Jay Ward, the honorable mention for picking up that goal, that that ball and taking it to the end zone to score. So Greg Brooks, B.J. Ojolari, and Jay Ward, all three get a defensive game ball. Third, uh, third game ball on special teams. Um, I'm going to give this one to Jay Bramblett because I thought special teams were a freaking train wreck on Saturday. I mean, it was penalty on penalty on penalty. I mean, I highlighted all of the penalties that LSU committed on yesterday's show, but so many of them, illegal block on a punt return, um, another illegal block on a punt return, um, defensive holding, um, so many, I, I was that one on, that one wasn't on special teams, excuse me, but there was another penalty that I don't see in my notes at the moment, but that's okay. There was another penalty on a, on an Auburn punt return or a kick return by the LSU special team. So just so, it felt like every single special team's possession or every single time special teams went out on the field, there was a special teams penalty. So I was just so frustrated from the continued, um, I don't know the right word to use, continued mistakes, I guess, from the special teams. But I'm going to give this one to Jay Bramblett, the punter. I mean, he punted his butt off on Saturday night. He punted for four hundred yards he had a 65 yard punt so really helping out LSU and putting Auburn in bad field position uh, whenever they could so he gets my special teams game ball so offensively Josh Williams defensively Greg Brooks B.J. Ojolari honorable mention Jay Ward special teams punter Jay Bramblett now coming up next some injury updates and one very big one that I think we're all waiting for after the Auburn game going into the game against Tennessee this weekend we'll get into that coming up next so if you haven't tried the Bilt Bar Puffs yet, 
What are you waiting for? You are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys, truly. And guess what? There's a new flavor that you can try. You ready for this? Hold on to your seats because it is the delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in 100% chocolate like every single Bilt Bar is. That's right. Bilt Bar has done it yet again. So let me introduce you to your new favorite. It's one of my favorites too. Cookie dough chunk puffs. They've got a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. That's the best bite of the bar when you get one of those real cookie dough chunks in there. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All Bilt Bars are. So you get all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. So you can take Solace in knowing that you are doing something good for your body. Because the cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to built.com. What are you what are you waiting for? Run to built.com to snag a box for yourself and for the family. It's the perfect treat. Or you can find a really good hiding place and just order them for yourself, like I do in my house. Like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100 percent real chocolate. That means they are healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light and fluffy texture. They are so delicious. They're so good. Throw them in your purse on the go for a snack. Have them in the morning for breakfast. Have them whenever you want, whether you want a dessert or if you need to hold yourself over until the next meal because there's plenty of protein in there that will keep you full all day long. And what's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with the collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Hair, skin, nails, you name it, collagen's great for you. So eat something that tastes good and is good for you. I promise you, you're going to love the new Kido Chunk Puff. Whether you need a snack for the workout, late night treat, like I mentioned, go grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15, all one word, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. So some injury updates. The biggest one... Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels left after the second half. He had a a knee-to-knee collision, which, I mean, I can only imagine how badly that hurts. I mean, it's bone on bone, um, on kneecap to kneecap. So he came out of the game. Garrett Nussmeyer came in. um, And I think that we are all anxiously awaiting this update about Jaden Daniels for a couple reasons. He's a starting quarterback and you're needing a starting quarterback against a really good Tennessee team. But also I think because every time we see Garrett Nussmeyer, I think we're reminded just how not ready he is. Um, most notably against Auburn, it's third and eight, third, it's third down. And Garrett Nussmeyer throws the ball away. What about you? Why, why are we throwing the ball away in third down? At least try to make a play. At least try to run it. At least try to do something rather than just giving up the possession. And, and Brian Kelly ripped him a new one if you saw him just yelling at Garrett Nussmeyer coming off of the field because you just can't do things like that. You can't throw the ball away up third down. Um, but here's an update from Brian Kelly about Jaden Daniels. Um, Daniels is fine. He had a, a burst of sack, which is, I don't know the exact, um, you know, medical um, – deal with that I, I wish I could be a little bit more precise and articulate but um, it's it's much more it's not structural at all uh, but it's painful and and so he was in pain and, and so um, you know he just felt like he, he was hurting the team being out there but he felt good yesterday the exam was clean um, we did an MRI just to make sure and that came back clean so um, he's now in a pretty good position where he feels like he, he's 100%.
So that's the good news is that it's nothing structural. They went through all of the necessary steps they needed to, to make sure that he was 100%, not just feeling 100%, but everything, you know, underneath was underneath the hood was feeling good. Um, so that's the good news is that Jaden Daniels should be 100% and back and ready to play against Tennessee. And of course the second injury update is on seven banks who had a really scary collision in, in the very first kick return. It was, um, it ended up being a targeting call, which was, I thought just icky on behalf of the refs, but he came off the field, of course, on a stretcher. And it was really scary to me. This is when I knew it was really bad was when they weren't even taking his helmet off. They just took his face mask off. And so he came, he comes off the field on a stretcher with his helmet on face mask off. And I was really worried about that because that very obviously shows that it's, it's, it's a neck injury and they're nervous about moving the neck and putting too much pressure on the neck. But we learned uh, on Saturday night that he did come back to the stadium and he was meeting with team doctors. He was able to, to ride home with the, with the team. He had a neck brace on what I believe the official diagnosis was a, was a bruised spinal cord. So no long-term effects. Um, he should be back. I believe the timeline that they put out was five to six weeks, um, but a really scary injury. And whenever you're dealing with the neck spinal cord, you know, all of that back here, um, that's really scary in the head as well. That's really, really scary. And it's something that this team needs to be taken seriously. Um, and they are so seven banks. He's okay. No long lasting effects. You know, all has feeling in all of his extremities. He can walk. Um, those are all the important things and we'll make his way back between five to six weeks, if not longer, but that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Lockdown LSU your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we're part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. Now, coming up on tomorrow's podcast, we'll transition into Tennessee. What does LSU need to do to be able to stop this Tennessee team? And what does the rest of the SEC look like? Take a, a little tour around the SEC and transition our attention to the volunteers on Saturday. You can get more on the SEC by making Locked on SEC your second listen. Every day host Chris Gordon and the local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked on SEC your second listen.